Isn't it good to be in the Lord's house this morning? My, my, if we could, if our hearts and our lives could just be that song that, that was just sung, and we could all say, here am I, Lord, send me. Can you imagine what a difference we would make in this world today? And that is, as Brother Drew has said, that's our heart. That's, uh, that's what we want to do, and that's where we're going. And it is exciting to be in here in, uh, today. It, it's a, it's a, a, a different day. It's a transition day. It's a time that uh, we are looking to the future. We're looking to see what God has for us uh, in the future. It's good because we're able to come and worship together. Just think we can meet with God today. We can meet with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We still have the blessed privilege in this country of being able to open this book and read it and hear what God has to say uh, in it uh, through, uh, for us. It's a tremendous book. It's a book uh, of a story, a beautiful story, and you hear our pastor Drew talking about that story all time. <clears throat> there are those uh, that tell us that this book is actually uh, filled with stories. Someone says that there are 52 major stories uh, in the Bible, 26 of them in the Old Testament, 26 of them in the New Testament. But in all of those major stories, there are literally hundreds of other stories. And these are the stories that you and I have heard all of our lives. These are the stories that have excited us. These are the stories that have transformed us. These are the stories that we still today get excited uh, when we hear. They never get old. Uh, we always like to hear them again uh, and again because they tell of God's greatness. They demonstrate uh, the mighty power that God has. They show the love of God and the concern that God has for His children. They encourage us and they challenge us to love God more and to trust Him in our daily uh, lives. Today, we have one of those stories. I want us to look at the, at the story uh, that uh, comes from uh, the book of Joshua, uh, it's, uh, it's found in Joshua uh, chapter 3 and, and chapter 4. Uh, it is a, a, a beautiful story. It's a tremendous story. And uh, it's one that has a lot of, uh, uh, of encouraging things uh, for us, a lot of things that, that God wants to teach us through it. This morning I have just entitled uh, the message... Uh, you have not traveled this way before. And that, those words come uh, from uh, uh, the uh, uh, Scriptures, comes from the uh, story of, uh, of uh, Joshua. Uh, and, and whenever Joshua was speaking to, to the children of Israel, 
Now, we're familiar with the story, but I'd like for us to look at it in, in maybe a little different light than what we have seen it before. I think that this story has a, a lot of very interesting parallels, not only to our individual Christian lives, but I think it has a lot of parallels to where we are today as a church. The story in Joshua uh, starts in Joshua chapter 3. We're going to read verses uh, 14 through 17 this morning. The Scripture says, So when the people left their tents to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. When the ones carrying the Ark reached the Jordan and the feet of the priest carrying the ark touch the surface of the water. The Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest time. The water coming downstream toward them stopped flowing. It piled up very far upstream at Adam, the city near Zaratan. There was no water at all flowing to the sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea. The people crossed the river opposite Jericho, and the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of Jordan. All Israel crossed over on dry ground until the entire nation was on the other side. This is the historic event of the Israelites crossing the Jordan River. I want us to back up a little bit and look at some of the instructions that God, that God gave to Joshua and Joshua passed on to the children of Israel before this took place. And in these instructions, we're going to see the things that God is teaching us about how we are to face events in our lives and how we are to live as God's children. Before the crossing took place, we hear Joshua giving this advice, and it's found in Joshua chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. The Scripture says, Bright and early the next morning, Joshua and the Israelites left Shittim and came to the Jordan. They camped there before crossing the river. After three days, the leaders went through the camp and commanded the people, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priest, you must leave here and walk behind it, but stay about 3,000 feet behind it Keep your distance so you can see which way you should go, for you have not traveled this way before. Joshua was giving instructions to the children of Israel as to what they were supposed to do in order to travel the new territory that they had not traveled before. 
And that's why this morning I would like for us to look at this as our message. You have not traveled this way before. Now, if we back up a little bit, we could probably hear Joshua saying, the Scripture doesn't record it this way, but we could probably hear Joshua saying, now, you were here 40 years ago, and we know the history. We know that the Israelites were delivered from the, the land of Egypt, of Egypt. We know that God performed the miracle uh, at the Red Sea. We know that God brought them straight to the place that he had promised to give them, the, the Canaan, Canaan land. And yet we find that 40 years ago when they came to this place, they did not cross Jordan. There was a reason that they didn't cross over. Chapter, uh, you go to the book of uh, Numbers in chapter 14, and you find the account of the 12 spies that Moses chose. God told him to do it, but the 12 spies that Moses chose to go in and spy out the land. Whenever the 12 spies returned with their report, they gave the report, and the Scripture says that 12, uh, that, that 10 of the 12 said, we cannot go in. They had been through the land. They had seen the land. They had seen indeed that it was what God says, that said that it was, a land that flowed with milk and honey. It was a very prosperous-looking uh, land. And yet, they looked at the people of the land. They saw that there were giants in the land, and they began to fantasize. Uh, they said, uh, uh, these are all giants. Uh, they are looking at us as though we are grasshoppers. Uh, they're going to stomp us if we go into the land. They're going to kill us. We cannot go in. Ten of them said, it is impossible for us to take the land. But there were two who said that we can, Joshua and Caleb. But we find the children of Israel believed, the Scripture says, the evil report of the ten and because of that, God said, your disbelief, your lack of faith, you're not being willing to follow me. I've promised you it is your land. You will inhabit the land. But because of your disbelief, you will not go in. And they were turned away to wander in the wilderness for 40 years, one year uh, for every day that the spies were in the land. God turned them to wonder, and for 40 years, they accomplished nothing in their lives. For 40 years, they lived in frustration. You remember all of the stories of the fiery serpents and the bitter waters and all of the things that caused frustration for the children of Israel. 
They, did, they were not happy. They were not content. They had to be fed. Uh, uh, God fed them manna, and he fed them quail. God took care of them, yes, but they, uh, uh, they were living in a miserable, miserable state for 40 years. And besides all of that, those men that were of the uh, uh, age uh, uh, to go to war, all of the, those men died while they were in the wilderness. Now, God has brought them back to Jordan, the same place that they were before. Their goals are the same. They're supposed to go in. They're supposed to take the land. They are supposed to cross over Jordan. They're supposed to conquer a Canaan land. The people are, are different. They are uh, of another generation now. They have a different or new determination. They have a new leader. They have a different faith than what they had when they came the first time uh, to Jordan. And what is the result? The, what are the results? The results, of course, are different than what they were. Why? What made the difference? What is the reason? And we find it recorded in these Scripture verses here. And number one is because they... Uh, they had their eyes at this time fastened on God. They were looking at God. Did you hear the instructions that the people gave to them? Joshua told them, give them these instructions. When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord, the instructions were, Keep your eyes on the ark. When you see the ark, you move. Fasten your attention on the ark. Don't go without the ark. Why? What's the importance of the ark uh, of the covenant? The Scripture places a lot of importance and it is, it is seen and stressed uh, in the number of times that the Ark of the Covenant is mentioned in chapters 3 and chapter 4. You read it and you find nine references to the Ark in chapter 3. When you read chapter 4, you'll find that there are seven references that are made to the Ark. What's so important about the ark? What's so important about a wooden box that is ornately decorated? Because the importance is because it represents the presence of God. It represents the promises of God. When you see the ark, you're seeing God. Joshua said to them, keep your eyes on the ark. When they walked out into the Jordan River and they were crossing that Jordan, that, that Jordan River, they saw the ark. They realized 
This is God that's doing this. We can't cross this river by ourselves. It is God Almighty, and it is in His power that we are able to cross this river. Uh, Whenever they uh, marched around Jericho, uh, they said, keep your eyes on the ark. The ark was out front. It went before them uh, the six, first six days uh, around Jericho. And on the seventh day, it went around uh, seven times. Keep your eyes on the ark and you will remem- be reminded that it is God who is powerful enough uh, to take the fortified city. You can't do it without God. In the entire invasion and conquest of the land of Canaan, everywhere they went, the ark was with them. It, was, it went before them, and it was constantly reminding them that it was God who was in charge, that it was God who had the power to lead them and to direct them and to overcome their enemies in all that they did. It is God. And folks, today, we are plowing new ground. We are going where we have never been before. And we must keep our eyes on the ark. We must keep our eyes on God. If it seems impossible, the things that are out before us, Let's know and understand that for us it is impossible, but that for God nothing is impossible. And God is with us. He has promised, and we must understand that God and God alone has the power to accomplish His purpose in our lives, whatever we do. We must keep our eyes on the ark. And we have to stay in God's word. Joshua gave other instructions at this time to the children of Israel. Our God spoke to Joshua. And he said to Joshua, Be strong and brave. You must lead these people in the conquest of this land that I solemnly promised their ancestors I would hand over to them. Don't you like that wording? Isn't that tremendous? God said, Joshua, you've got to lead them because I've promised it to their ancestors and and I'm just going to hand it over to them. That's God, folks, that's doing it. He said it then. And he said, make sure you are very strong and brave. Carefully obey all the law my, uh, my servant Moses has charged uh, you to keep. Do not swerve from it from the right or to the left. Listen, so that you may be successful. Keep all of it. You will be successful in what you do. 
This law scroll must not leave your lips. You must memorize it day and night so you can carefully obey all that is written in it. Then you will prosper and be successful. I repeat, the scripture says, be strong and brave. Do not be afraid and don't panic for I the Lord your God am with you in all that you do. What more can we want? What more could we ask for? This is God that is saying it to us. And for the uncertainties that exist, for the questions uh, that we don't have all the answers to, we trust God. We believe in Him. He said, I am with you. He didn't say, I am partially with you. I will go part of the way with you. I am with you. And with the God's promise and God's blessings upon us, we will be able to go where we have never gone before. They were told, keep their eyes on God. Give uh, and, and these instructions were given. Joshua gave some other instructions that are important for us uh, today. Joshua chapter 3 verse 5 records these words. Joshua told the people, ritually consecrate yourselves. For tomorrow, the Lord will perform miraculous deeds among you. Now, there it is. there's the promise again. God's going to do something great. He's going to perform miraculous deeds among you. But he said, consecrate yourselves. The New Living Translation says, purify yourselves. Now, the indication is, as Joshua was saying, God's going to do something He's never done before. God's going to do something awesome. He promised that He's going to do it, and so we need to prepare ourselves. Spiritual preparation is important to a child of God because spiritual preparation brings us into a right relationship with our Heavenly Father. And when we have a right relationship with God, it makes it possible for God's power to be upon our lives and in our ministry. Spiritual preparation is important. Joshua said, consecrate. Consecrate yourselves. What does consecrate yourselves mean? Consecrate in the regular Hebrew word means to dedicate, to set apart, 
to prepare. But here in this particular meaning, in this usage, the word uh, that is used has a reflexive sense. And so instead of consecrate, dedicate, it means, it means consecrate yourselves. Set apart yourselves. Prepare yourselves. Joshua is not saying, bring your sheeps, your sheep, bring your goats, bring your turtle doves, and make a sacrifice that you've been accustomed to doing all these years. But he's saying, purify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. John Walford says of these words, for tomorrow the Lord will do great things among you. He says, when there is a lack of consecration through confession of the defilement of sin, along with a commitment to God's purpose in our lives in, in service or ministry, we hinder the power of of God. But there is, he continues, a, a more included here in this call to consecration. And he says this, the people of Israel were to expect God to work a miracle. They were to be eager, gripped by a sense of wonder. Israel was not to lose sight of their God who can do this incredible and the uh, humanly impossible. The challenge from this statement is that we must consecrate ourselves, purify ourselves, come to a relationship with God that we uh, have not experienced in ages in order that we might see the power of God in our lives. Now, Drew has said, we're going into a pause as far as, far as our morning worship services are concerned. However, as pastors and elders, we are praying that this will be a time when we can personally consecrate ourselves to the Lord. A time when we can go before the Lord. A time when we can get more sincere with God than we had ever been. Pardon the expression, but a time 
when we can get on our knees and on our face before God and shut down the corn spiritually, when we can bear our souls to God, when we can commune with God in prayer and in fasting in a way that we're going to have an intimate relationship with Him that is going to cause the holy power and Holy Spirit of God to to live and act and work in us in a way that His will will be accomplished. It is our desire. It is our desire that we draw near to God. We're going to start tomorrow praying Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Now, that's not the only time you can pray. If you want to pray some other time, that's fine. You remember when we had our prayer meetings going. Some of you said, uh, I've got a group together. We can't come to church, but we're going to pray on the phone together. That's what we want. But we're going to meet here in the chapel at 10 o'clock. And we're going to pray. No, all of us can't be together at the same time. But some of us can. And when you can, we want you to come. And we want you to be with us. And we're going to draw near to God. Oh, people of God, let's see in our own lives what the great and mighty God of heaven can do in this place. Well, I had so much more I wanted to say, but I see my time is gone. What is the significance of the, of the Jordan crossing? For the Israelites, it was tremendously significant. They were leaving an old life and going into a new life. They were leaving defeat and frustration and going into a life of victorious living. They were going to see the the walls of the cities fall. They were going to conquer the land. They were going to have their own land. It was a tremendous thing for them. But Joshua puts it in perspective when he says this. The cross, what the, the significance of it. He said this when you cross. This is how you will know that the living God is among you. And that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Hivites and the Parasites and Gergesites and all of the, all the rest of them. He said, see, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go uh, into the Jordan ahead of you. You're going to see it. God's going to do it. And he goes on and tells them other things. But their miraculous crossing was an affirmation of the presence and power of God. There was a, a great spiritual battle 
that was fought that day also. You know, the Canaanites uh, had their God. Uh, he was called Baal. And, and interesting enough, Baal uh, was the Canaanite storm god. Uh, he was responsible for the uh, fertility of the land and the seasons of, of rain. And in their mytholo mythology, he is given the title Lord of all the earth. Now get this. As God's people approach the Jordan River at flood stage, they faced the might of the Canaanite God. The river was flowing out of control. The river was larger than they had ever seen it before. It had a mighty force as it was uh, traveling outside of, of its banks. This was, this was Baal demonstrating uh, his power. He brings the rains. He, he's, he, he, and the, the flood, the, the gigantic great flood that was going on uh, showed the mighty power of Baal. The river was not only an intimidating thing uh, physically, but it was also uh, an, uh, an intimidating thing spiritually. The, the Israelites were saying, look what their God is doing. When the priests obeyed God and picked up the ark to start to walk toward Jordan, it took faith. They believed that God was real, and they were believing in God. When the bottom of their sandals touched the brim of the water, and they were stepping off into uncertainty, it took faith. They trusted, they believed in God. And when they stepped into the water... I want to tell you, the creator of the universe showed up. God was present. The true Lord of all of the earth showed up. Israel's God was there. He, they call him Yahweh. When Yahweh created the dry land for them to walk across on. It was a, a miracle. It was a defeat of the mighty Baal God. It was something that the world had not seen just as he had defeated the gods of Egypt just as he had done so many other things for him. It was for all the peoples of the earth that they might know that Yahweh is the Lord of all the earth. God told them, take 12, sto take 12 stones out of the midst of the river where the, the, where, the feet, where the feet of the priest are. Take them over on the other side, build an altar. They, they did that. And after they were all gone over to the other side, they had a time of 
dedication, a ceremony that they went through when they dedicated themselves to God. And uh, Joshua said, we're doing this because our children are going to see this. And they're going to ask, what, what, what do these stones mean? And we're going to be able to tell them, this is it. We tell our children, this is what God did for us. He dried up the Jordan and held the waters back, telling God. They had their time of dedication. And the scripture says this, and we close. God spoke to Joshua. He said, today, I have rolled away the shame of your slavery in Egypt. Today, not until they'd crossed Jordan. They observed the Passover 40 years ago. They were delivered 40 years ago. But it wasn't until today that God said, I have rolled away the shame of your slavery in Egypt. I've taken away the stigma of your living in Egypt. Egypt means sin. It wasn't until they trusted that had faith. And there's so many things I would like to say here, but our time is gone. But uh, it, it, it is that today that we need to understand. There are many, many people of God who have been saved by God's grace. And yet they're still living under the, the, uh, the stigma of sin. The habits of sin is still in their lives. And it's going to be that way until they have faith, until they trust in God, till they cross over, till they believe that God is able to perform in their lives what He only uh, is able to do. God wants us to trust Him. And He will take away the stigma of having lived in sin if we will let Him. Well, the scripture says they, they camped in the, in the new land that day. And the very next day, they began to eat unleavened bread and roasted grain harvested from the land. Listen, no manna appeared on, on the day on, on that day, they first ate of the, fir, of the fruit of the crops of the land, and it never was seen again. God quit feeding Israel. God said, you've grown up. You've matured. You've trusted me. You've believed in me. He quit spoon feeding Israel. And the Bible said they did eat of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. They had the best to eat. No more blah manna anymore. But they had the best 
because they trusted God. Israel's God is our God today. He has the same power today as he did then. He will go before us. Though we have not traveled this way before, we are not alone. God is with us. And he has the best ahead as we trust him. And as we follow his leading and his guiding. Let's stand for prayer.